0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah. The only boy you could ever teach me
3: was the son
4: of a preacher man. Ain't no lot to see. All
2: those plans I made for myself, I got nobody else.
0: Welcome to everyone joining us to experience stories of resilience, hope, perseverance,
1: and joy. Move over to a sport chair, a basketball wheelchair. Category of best video are...
2: We love you guys. And- so good. Isn't it good? I love it. There's like three of us. Those are three members of my band. They've done this of, of the, the ten. Course. They have. James East, of course. Three Grammys, four Tonys, three training Inspired, Costco Cartoon. Play with Eric Clapton. Arnie Milton, Grand Funk. Chase Hodgins. the original rapper drummer. And they are the Daytrain. Right here a Big Daytrain. A regular part of our program. Maybe, maybe one Friday we'll bring everybody in. Don't you think, James? Maybe we bring the whole band in yeah. and, and let right. them do the whole thing? Band, that would be a blast. I think it would be good. How right. soon before we start calling just the DTT? The DTT! <laughs> little dose of the, little there, dose of the DTT! DT squared. DT squared? DT squared? DT squared. DT, what's your stock symbol? DTT. <laughs> right. DTT. One, let me look at the stock symbol DTT and let me just see Let's what, it just is. Make sure it's what not a disaster that might be or may not be. <laughs> Why's your, why your health failing? I got a little see. DTT. It's Data Tech, by the way. Okay. Uh, nice. DTT. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's a Frankfurt stock. There's no such thing as a DTT here in the U.S. I don't think. DTT. No, it's uh, there's no such stock symbol. We, we could we could we could take you guys public. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the ROI in the DTT, babe? Yeah. Hey, uh, my good friend Robert Machinist Bob Machinus, is the chairman and CEO of a company called Troika Media Group. Uh, Stocksable TRKA, and my good friend Mike Costa here, who uh, started off doing sports uh, with us uh, and is now uh, filling in as our co-host. Um, you are, since you're a sports guy, are, have you been to the new mausoleum? I mean, Rams, SoFi Stadium? No, that it's the one I have not been to. I understand it looks like a mausoleum, except for the one thing. It's it's a city. The Oculus. It's right? a city in and of itself, yeah. Hey, Bob, can you, you tell me how you guys are related to the Oculus, because... That's your baby. Now, is it because of the content you're providing on there? Because you're one of the first people, I think, that even mentioned that to me.
5: Yeah. Good uh, Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on, good as to see always. You. Good to see you. Um, the Yeah, No, our company, we've been working with uh, SoFi and with the Rams since the original design. Stayed. So they were building the Oculus, We're engaged to program, and... Uh, um, and basically manage the content on the oculus yeah. and have done so not only for the rams but we've worked on behalf of SoFi and just did the uh, uh, all the, the oculus during the super Bowl so
2: well and, and, and a piece of this is because you're a branding company and this this is now can, can you guys sort of pick and choose i mean obviously they have to pay for the privilege of getting up on that big screen I'm sure you know, at some point we'll see the Sully band up there because of my relationship with Bob Machinist, uh, or Big Biz, <laughs> or Big Biz Show ads. <laughs> say, say, say
5: but, from, from your lips, to God's ear. So, but the but the
2: point is, um, uh, does this? I mean, is, it's a natural fit for you because potentially, potentially some of the big because you work with some huge brands, and sometimes there's a there's an intersection there between between those types of branding opportunities. And and, and as you mentioned before, you know, branding is the umbrella. Uh, and advertising and marketing are the mechanisms to kind of get the word out there. And if you look at, you know, like, look at these brands that, that even as we're showing up on the screen here, um, you know, it, it's a natural for you guys. Let's talk about what you guys are up to next because every time I look up um, your, if you look at the overview of Troika's business, uh, it's blue chip clients and your capabilities and your areas of focus are ever changing with those clients. Talk about the latest.
5: Well, I mean, I'm excited to say that um, I think... Since I was last on your show, we completed our acquisition of Converge, no, which that. is a very, which is a significant uh, performance marketing business, which is clearly highly complementary towards realizing value for our our brand clients, and we will now and um, the guidance uh, that we gave out, we're now going to be doing roughly three hundred and fifty million dollars in revenue for calendar twenty two, and we expect to earn over 27 million of EBITDA for calendar 22, and uh, Converge, in and as of itself, generated almost 300 million in revenue for calendar 21, and uh, made over 21 million of net income. So, this is a highly accretive acquisition for our company. We now have, having completed this, we have a really strong balance sheet, we've got great results coming in, and, you know, I guess it uh, falls to me to begin to tell the story a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, we're one of a few highly uh, integrated performance marketing related businesses, and our revenue per employee and our earnings per employee, et cetera, are extremely competitive. So,
2: for, When you guys look at acquisitions, and, and, and just for our audience, a little infotainment here for you. The acquisition strategy is when you pick up a company, Uh, that adds to your balance sheet but doesn't add to the debt, and you can use stock for currency mostly to do that. That's why public companies go public oftentimes uh, when they start out as private companies. I realize some companies are headed for IPO from the very beginning. But but when you're looking at acquisition candidates, so you're looking at a third rail, aren't you, Rob? And that's that's how it affects the existing business model and the existing client base, correct?
5: Yes. I mean, I I think... As, as anywhere, I mean, I think what we consider to be one of our key assets is we have up to 20-year relationships with major branding companies, all of whom need to find various and different and effective ways to actuate their uh, branding programs. And uh, the companies that we're looking at acquiring and, and blending in really allow us to extend our relationships that start at the corporate suite and then end up in a direct address with the consumer so hence the deal we just conv- completed uh with converge earlier in the year we bought um a uh, a company in the nft space which allowed us to bring that technology to our clients and we also have continued to add to our digital presence space so we can do virtual events and the like far more effectively than we can do pre uh, pre-COVID.
2: Hey, Bob. Bob is his name, by the way. He's the chairman and CEO of a company called Troika Media Group. They are publicly traded under the stock symbol TRKA. And you're looking at their website right there, troikamedia.com. Bob, talk to us about the NFT world. Do you, first of all, do you understand NFTs, Mike? I know what it stands for. Non-fungible uh, token. It, it, right, and that's about so, where it stops. So you have to understand fungibility. Fungibility means it's it's an asset that can be inter- exchanged with another asset, yes. like a dollar. Dollars, a dollars, a dollars, a dollar. Yeah. But a piece of art, for example, or a piece of music, for example, or even a tweet, for example, uh, is non-fungible because it's it's not uh, identical to any other piece of art, piece of music, tweet, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And a and and fungibility or non-fungibility, an NFT is basically a digital uh, owner certificate of ownership. Yes. is really what it comes down. There can only be one, and the scarcity of it makes it go ma- makes it go boom. Now you know, there is some talk about a, a, a bubble here on some of these NFTs, but still, it is here to stay and, and it operates on the blockchain and so on and so forth. But you guys have a very interesting kind of view on NFTs, don't you, Bob? I mean, it's and, and, and what's interesting is, you know, with your redeem acquisition, that, that addresses an NFT opportunity with, with your clients. And there's a big growth opportunity there. Why don't you take that away and explain that?
5: Well, it, it, it really falls down to if you are working with a client, let's and we'll take the, uh, the Rams, for example. We've got a great relationship. They gave us the game ball from their first uh, game after we did the, the work on the Oculus. And, um, but every, you know, the Rams uh, fans leave the stadium. So we're trying to find different ways to connect them on a continuing basis. So for example, if you created NFT related ticket sales, and a major event occurred during the course of one of the Some people bought the tickets. It historically has been stub of your ticket became extremely valuable. Yeah. Now you can create the value on a virtual basis, and the owner of that can either realize value, watch it grow, or exchange it for something else. So it, it's in a way, it's a way to uh, further extend your relationship. With your customer as the brand extends down into uh the metaverse
2: yeah and i think and i think a piece of this of course is figuring out (coughs) pardon me the value in what nft you're purchasing right so if you if you you purchase you know uh, uh uh jose feliciano's first guitar pick nft obviously that's worth something if you uh pick up the nft of the of your uh, Pop Warner quarterbacks uh, signature on his—I'm not sure that you, you might be banking on something big. You may not, but I think that's—I think that's where the piece of it goes. Bob, thank you so much. Bob Machinas Troika Media Group. You'll see him. Very, very, very. Also, you'll see him on Mary Burke Godwin Show. Also, there you go. All kinds of good stuff. All right, lots more big news show coming up. Myself, Mike Costa, and the TD GTT. that's right.
0: plus
2: I'm here with Mike Costa how you doing kid when'd you get that sweatshirt uh I got this uh last 78 sure. it was uh the J. Crew summer sale oh nice pretty hot huh it is very nice you do <laughs> wonders for horizontal stripes. um we are brought to you by Prudential let Prudential be your rock for retirement also brought to you by Bayer Advance better science better results Little company I like to call Starbucks sponsors the program. Also, Bloomin Brands, and their fine family of restaurants, including Fleming Steakhouse, Carrabba's Italian Grill, and the authentic Australian restaurant Outback Steakhouse, straight from the Outback. I think it is. First Way Biopharma is a sponsor. Thank you, friends. Also, Northwest Biotherapeutics. They are publicly traded under the stock symbol NWBO. Go to northwestbio.com and imagine AR. Imagine. Do you even know what augmented reality is? Because I didn't until I met, um, yeah, augmented- like the the Oculus, like all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the Oculus. Well, do you know who's coming on the air with us today? Who is the guy who runs the Oculus? Bob Machinist from Troy Comedia. Really? The, the Oculus you're talking about up at? Uh, oh no no no! You're, you're talking about oh. augmented reality. Oh okay. Well, you, have you heard of the Oculus up at Staples Center? Also? No. Is it called the Oculus? Am I mistaken? Is it called the Oculus? Man. I could be wrong. What's it called? I think it's called the Oculus, the big thing up there that has all the thing and the thing and all yeah, the other yeah, thing. You know, yeah. the thing. Yeah, exactly. Love Bob. Yeah. He's, he'll be on... <laughs> he'll be That's on, his name, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so He'll be on the earth. Hey, uh, we got another email from you uh, to one of our executive producers uh, asking us to interview... Um, uh, in fact, I know we've got a couple authors coming up from your, uh, from your um, emails. One is called The Power of Playing Offense. We've had him on before, but you'll dig this. This guy was worked for the Raiders, worked for the Rams in mm-hmm. the ticketing office, then got into uh, sports management. But we got an email from, uh, I don't even know who it was, asking us to interview a company called Trust Stamp. Trust Stamp is the name of the company. And you can actually go to truststamp.ai, right, as we were just talking about. Sure. Um, and uh, the uh, the stock symbol for them, they are publicly traded under the stock symbol IDAI. And Gareth Jenner is the founder and CEO of the company. And we get a chance to talk to a CEO of a public company once again here, which is pretty exciting. Gareth, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Excellent. Great to meet you. So talk to us about this. Uh, you know, First of all, you call yourselves a privacy-first identity company and it's AI-powered identity services. And, and, and actually, we have, a, we have an augmented reality uh, sponsor of this, of this television program. Uh, But talk to us about your corner of the world there, because this is something I haven't heard of before.
3: Yeah. Today, we identify ourselves quite frequently and without really thinking too much about it with our biometrics, quite often our facial biometrics. But think about the fact that when you use your facial biometrics, you are giving someone the ability to store and reuse that data. Okay. We think it's a ticking time bomb. Now, everybody tells you we encrypt. Well, yep, so how come there's ever a data leak? Now, if there's a data leak of your username and password, you just change them. That's pretty easy.
2: But you can't change your face.
3: You can't change your face. At (laughs) least that's a much more expensive exercise. Some people do, but they spend a lot of money on it, let's face it. Uh, So what we do is to take facial biometrics or any other type of identity data and we irreversibly transform it. So essentially, we use machine learning to work out how much of it we can destroy, how much noise we can inject, then we put it through a neural network. And what comes out the other end is a token, and that token can never be rebuilt into your face or other
2: biometrics. It's almost like an encrypted QR code of your face. Is that, would that be accurate? Even
3: better. Yeah, that's a pretty good reflection, but anything you can encrypt, you can decrypt okay in this case it's irreversible the only way it can be used is with your live face present using it
2: because you want to use it okay i've got a question <clears throat> and i know i'm late to the party here but where are they collecting our i mean if if mike and i go to the opening day at the padres tomorrow night are they collecting our facial recognition at at at, at, at sporting events at street corners i mean i realize Look no further than the story about the Boston bomber during Mm -hmm. the Boston Marathon where they collected a bunch of information because of the eye in the sky type stuff. But but is this more pervasive than I think it is?
3: Well, it is. And we are consenting to it often for purely our convenience. If you think of using clear at the airport, they have your face and they have your social security number, your date of birth and everything else. And it's all stored in one place.
2: Gareth, is it a good thing that I can unlock my phone with my face, or is it a bad thing? Yeah, that's a great question.
3: It's a really great question. It depends on the phone. In some cases, that data is stored on the phone. In other cases, it's not. But the big question is, do you know whether it is in your case? No, that's the problem, right? That's the problem. So when we use phone-based apps, the... Facial biometric is converted to the token, that we call 92, it's an identity token, on the phone, and it never leaves the phone. It's on the phone, but what's on there is, in any event, useless outside that environment. Because we've destroyed the vast majority of the data that was in the original biometric. It can serve only one purpose, and that is for you to authenticate that you are you.
2: Uh, Gareth, by the way, can I get your, what, the pronunciation of your last name, is it Jenner or Jenner? It's Jenner. Jenner. Okay. Gareth Jenner is the founder and CEO of, of Truststamp, truststamp.ai. So here's the deal. So by 2025, biometrics are going to authenticate roughly, what did you say, $3 trillion in financial transactions? Yep. So bottom line is, uh, you know, this is a really convenient thing. It's a fail-safe way to move money, transact business and so on and so forth. What you guys are doing ahead of time is getting ahead of the curve with, with the hangover here. And the hangover here is that my face is everywhere on a million different databases and that's easy, uh, to, uh, that's easy to duplicate and then use to you know steal whatever they wanna steal. Is that really the, the bottom line here?
3: That's absolutely right. Uh, we believe that as much as biometrics uh, will accelerate in their use, there will be a call for greater protections. So when we started working with biometrics, when we started building a biometric system, we also worked out how to destroy a biometric system. So five years ago, we started out along this path knowing that the need would be there.
2: If you think in terms of, I think the number one thing I think in terms of is the airport, right? Yeah. Homeland Security, um, TSA, right? What, and those guys are looking at us the entire time we're standing in line, and probably the entire time we're in the airport. In fact, you, know, you just heard about the subway shooting this morning. There was cameras that activated because, you know, because of what happened there. And, and I think in this day and age, it's interesting to me that there isn't a camera that covers every square inch of every public transportation facility, but there's not at this point. But, but I guess that this has to be a positive thing, though, what you're doing, as well as, I mean, as, well as the deterrence that you're talking about of, of potential fraud. For things like homeland security, right, and and the Department of uh, the TSA and so on and so forth, this has got to be a really positive thing because suddenly this gives another uh, feather in the cap to those that are concerned about their privacy, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So what it allows is for the technology to be used because it's convenient and safe, but without
2: giving away your privacy. And and for you, talk to me uh, about your company here. I got about oh about forty five seconds left here. Where are you guys going in the next 18 months or is, is the technology there and now it's just about deploying it? Oh, the technology
3: is there. Uh, we we started the company five years ago. We've been in the financial service sector. Uh, we have flagship clients like Mastercard International and Synchrony. Wow. And last year we won our first government contract with the Department of Homeland Security. And so we're going to be pursuing parallel paths, both in financial services
2: and in government contracts. I'll tell you what, I want you to come back with us. That's interesting stuff. Now are you scared, awesome, scared the man. crap out of you, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gareth, Jenner. <laughs> Gareth, will you come back on the o with us at some point? I'd love to talk to you about that. Love to. Alright. Look at this music from the day traders. San Diego, California, with background music from the Day Trader Trio. Big good shows on the air. I'm selling you, that's Mike Costa over there in the corner. Are you excited about? Uh, are you excited about the sports, uh, the baseball thing happening uh, this week with uh, Opening Day here at the San Diego Padres? Oh, absolutely. Or is it, or is it watered down? No, no. Because it's, it's uh, what you anticipated because of the, you yeah. know, condensed. Yeah, uh, spring training. And, you know, a lot of people thought that the strike was going to extend into the regular season. So, yeah, is there absolutely. any more uh, is there any more of our, uh, remember all our faces were down there or, you know, we took pictures. Cardboards. Cardboards. No, it's or, is my cut out. No, it's live people. In fact, there was a it, you know, there was a massive brawl outside of uh, Coors Field Dodger fans and Rockies fans. Punching each other and women getting involved—the whole nine yards. Wow. So, yeah, The fans are so back. sports are back. Oh my god! Oh, fantastic! That's great. good. Nothing says baseball like no. no. okay. female fistfight fight. <laughs> <laughs> of Chavez Ravine uh, for Dodgers. And and listen, I and I know since we talk about national sports here, yeah. um, how are the Padres looking? Other in first place right now. Are we really? Yeah. We only yeah. five games in though. It's a long That's season. The, exactly. And we don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. until when? Maybe July, middle of June. July, June, June yeah, July, something like All that. Right. All right. Maybe you're okay you're okay with it. Who's playing shortstop now? It's kind of Cosmer? a Dar- oh. <laughs> Uh Kim, CJ Abrams, the the, you know, right. the the young phenom who has been a stud so far is right. is in there too. So All right. So we don't have a half a billion dollar left side of the of the uh, infield no, now. No, we only have a yeah. two hundred and sixty million dollar yeah. yeah. uh, infield. Okay, right. very good. They're doing well. Hey, um, we got an email from one of you, uh, one of our television audience across the country, because we are in one hundred and ten million TV homes strong every weeknight here. Uh, and by the way, do you know we're also on radio at the same time? We're on TV and radio simultaneously. We're one hundred and fifty radio stations. But one of you reached out to uh, one of our executive producers and said, "You got to talk to this company called GeoVax Labs." Uh, uh, I'm going to say keyword vax, right? That works. Everything, right? Yeah. Uh, you go to geovax.com. They are publicly traded under the stock symbol G-O-V-X. But I'm going to let David Dodd, who's the chairman and CEO, take it away from here because they are a clinical stage biotech company with a COVID-19 vaccine that's in phase two clinical trials. That, that brings up a lot of questions. You know, Number one, how are we doing in COVID and so on and so forth. Uh, David, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you. So talk to us. Uh, first of all, give me a top-down. On COVID and COVID nineteen, and the Alpha, the Beta, the Omicron, the uh, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria virus. I mean, I, I have no idea how many names there are. There's a new one coming out every thirty seconds, but it seems to me like we have uh, at least entered um, uh, the phase where we have it a bit under control because. You've got a a big number of people that are vaccinated with boosters and so on and so forth, but yet it still seems to be in the news. So give us a grade right now on how we're doing, in your opinion, since you're sort of at the tip of the spear there.
1: Yeah, I I would say that uh, the the virus continues to evolve. There's no doubt about that. As you're saying, we're talking BA2 now, we're talking BA1, which was the first version of Omicron. And actually, in the UK, they're talking about the recombinant variant, which they refer to, as XE, which is a combination of all things, of the BA1 and the BA2. So this this virus just continues to evolve. It's gonna become endemic, just like the flu is. And and some of us, our company started from the very beginning with our developments, expecting that it was going to evolve and be similar to the uh, seasonal influenza. There would be continuous uh, variations of it. And we would need to develop uh, vaccines and therapies uh, that could accommodate the, the evolving nature of this virus.
2: Hey, David, so when I hear endemic, should I feel good about that? Because I feel good about the flu. I feel good that it is my choice to get a flu vaccin- vaccination every year. Obviously, you don't hit the target every time because that, that flu obviously morphs and such. And if you get a vaccine, let's say in the summer, mm-hmm. so you fight the flu in the, in the, in the winter, you know, maybe I got it right, maybe I didn't, but at least it doesn't seem like I'm gonna die from that. Is, is endemic a good uh, a good a direction to be going in from pandemic, I'm assuming?
1: It is because what it indicates is just what you said, that people will be infected, but there will be less and less hospitalizations and certainly deaths, which is what's most important. And keep in mind, the role of vaccines is not to, to absolutely prevent an infection, It's to reduce and lessen the morbidity so the hospitalizations and certainly the deaths for those populations, those cohorts of of patients who are much higher at risk. And there are certain groups that are at very high risk from, from this virus, but the vast majority of people are not.
2: Okay, so David, you are at the tip of the spear. You're working with the FDA every single day. You're the chairman and CEO of a publicly traded Vaccination company. I mean, it doesn't get any more close to the to the to the information, uh, the, the credible information than that. You guys are are in a phase two clinical trials of evaluating another vaccine. Now, Of course, we got the J and J vaccine, which I think is a one banger. We got the Pfizer, we got the Moderna, uh, and 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 at the end of the day, those seem to be. Uh, pretty effective, or at least so far, we don't have years and years of data on it, but it, as it looks so far, it, it, it looks like it's okay. What makes you guys bigger, better, faster, stronger, uh, or the next generation?
1: Sure. what separates us is our ability to, we believe, now obviously the clinical trials would be the deciding factor, but what we're currently evaluating is the ability of our vaccine to be able to protect and provide a more robust and more durable type of protection for certain populations, specifically those individuals who have compromised immune systems. These are individuals who have had various cancer treatments, so they've had hematologic malignancies, they've been treated with Part T therapy or bone marrow transplantation or some type of therapy, or they're on immunosuppressant drugs for, because of other medical conditions. And and from that, those populations have a, have a very low ability, if any at all, to be able to produce antibody responses. Our vaccine is actually constructed to not only induce antibody protection, but just that, if not more importantly, to induce what is known as T cell or cellular uh, antibody protection, because that is the immune response that that drives memory and durability. And for people who have had these types of conditions, uh, the current vaccines are clearly inadequate. They're insufficient, no matter how many boosters you give. And as you mentioned, we have we have actually two clinical trials underway uh, uh, being conducted currently in uh, Southern California and Los Angeles at City of Hope. And one is specifically for patients who have had blood cancers who have then, as a primary vaccine, and we're doing a direct comparison to the Pfizer mRNA vaccine because we have realized and recognized that that vaccine is inadequate. And we think worst case, we would probably be just as effective, but more durable. And we're hoping to see that we're able to provide a more robust, better protection for people who have undergone certain treatments for blood cancers. And our second trial is as, as a booster vaccine on top of uh, for healthy individuals who have previously received either the F- Pfizer or the Moderna, because it's generally well accepted in the scientific community that a heterologous or a different booster vaccine elicits a stronger, more robust, and durable response than simply giving a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever, how many shots that they'll keep going to.
2: So in a perfect world, David, by the way, David Dodds is our, is our chairman and CEO of a company called Geovax Labs. G-O-V-X is their stock symbol. You can go to geovax.com. So, so at the end of the day here, all things work out great. FDA goes through phase two, phase three. You guys are now uh, a standard of care uh, for this uh, horrific disease. Uh, now, is this is this a one-and-done, or is this a once-a-year type thing? How do you how do you anticipate uh, you know administering this therapy you know, going forward, assuming everything works out?
1: Yeah, it, it's a it's an excellent question because I have an answer for. It. But but generally but the, the the true answer is only time will tell with the data we're going to track patients for at least over a year to be able to see what the durability is and how we will eventually uh, determine that. However, what our technology and what we have focused on is being able to provide a single dose, a highly durable vaccine. Uh, In a recent uh, recent world conference, a a world uh, cancer vaccine and immunotherapy conference, we provided data. It was animal data, but it showed that a single shot of our universal coronavirus vaccine, which is still, it's preclinical, but it's still, it, it's an advancing towards that. It, uh, it showed unprecedented uh, data, which it showed a, a single dose showed 100% protection in what is known as a lethal challenge bottle. And that means that 100% of the animals that did not receive our vaccine died and 100% of those that did uh, live. Wow. And so, believe we have the, the potential because of our approach and our design to, to deliver a single dose universal or pan coronavirus vaccine. The one that is currently in clinical trials, we believe will have greater durability. We just don't know what that will be. We believe it'll be stronger than, certainly stronger than what you see with the mRNA or the uh, what you see with the uh, Johnson & Johnson Vaccine. Well, so, I'll, so. I'll
2: tell you what, David. I hope they put you guys on a fast track, and I hope they, I hope they make it so because certainly, I mean, anything that improves upon what we already have, and it seems like. Obviously, we don't. I mean, I've got three shots right now, and they're telling me we need another one, and then another <laughs> one every year. So, anything that's going to resolve that for us, David, is going to be fantastic. I hope you'll come on the air with us once again. His name is David Dodd. David Dodd is the chairman and CEO of a company called GeoVax Labs. GeoVax Labs, of course, publicly traded under the stock symbol GOVX. You vaccinated? Yeah. You a two. Two. two? Yeah, that's all right. You I the, just want to get to you the going for the point. hat trick. <laughs> I just want to get to the point where we don't have masks on airlines. That's all I want. I know this and that. The Life bar is perfect. I hear that's going to gonna happen very shortly. Oh, all right. Much more big biz coming up. Stand by. <laughs> Studios in sunny San Diego California Big Biz Show is on the air Sully here Mike Costa there hello and of course the day trader trio which is three-tenths of the Sully band you got a big band dude oh we do we've had everything today on this show Like that I love the DTT yeah the DTT we had sports today we had sports gambling today we had uh, marketing branding and advertising today and now we're going to uh, and now we're going to cure cancer how about that that's you a like full that? day it's a full day that's a good day take the weekend off everybody yes. yeah but, um, <laughs> I, bec- I become friends with this guy and I like him a lot and he we met him on the air and he is uh, a he's a very serious CEO uh, and president of a publicly traded company, but he's also hilarious in the, in, the, in, in his side life. And uh, But he's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. His name is David Lucci. He is the uh, president and CEO of Acurex Pharmaceuticals. And of course, you're seeing their website right there for our TV audience. They are publicly traded under the stock symbol ACXP, and they are a, a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company uh, developing a new class of antibiotics for infections and I say cure for cancer because I, I cover all health. Aren't are at the end of the day are we trying to just cure cancer? Yeah, that would be a huge hurdle. Antibiotic disease. But at the end yeah. of the day, we're trying to cure cancer. Right. Uh, David's here. David Mann, how are you, brother? Good to talk to you again.
4: I am really good, Sully. Thank you again for having me. And uh, by the way, we cured a little bit of cancer in my first biotech company. I know you did. Where we, uh, we developed a drug for uh, childhood leukemia. And uh, now children that have leukemia uh, have another option, and you know it, it decreased by thirty three percent the number of kids that die of leukemia.
2: Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that you have, um, you've been in, within several NASDAQ companies doing this. And oh. what I want to know is what makes you bump from one biopharma sort of field to the next field? And I, and and what I mean by that is like right now you're dealing with the fact that we have so many antibiotics out there, and some of which are no longer um, are no longer effective or efficacious, and suddenly you get into this space. What made you jump over to there, or was it just a natural progression?
4: You know, it, it really was a natural progression for us. Um, you know, it was what was available at the time. And, you know, now with the advent of the Pasteur Act and the AMR Action Fund, the Repair Impact Fund, um, it's a new uh, wave of antibiotic uh, development, so the antibiotics industry is reinvented, so to speak. It's uh, back in the powerhouse seat uh, because of those things, um, despite the, the the problems of the past. Um, and you know we're we're lucky because we're curing a you know a life-threatening infection, and we're a brand new class of antibiotics, and that's where you want to be. The other antibiotics, they're they're not enjoying. The success. But if you're a new class of antibiotics and you're treating a life-threatening infection, uh, the world is your oyster right now.
2: You know, I have the, I'm going to ask you, David, why is it important for uh, newly approved antibiotics? Because I think we all sort of hear these stories about, you know, we've taken too many antibiotics in our lifetimes, they're becoming ineffective because that's what our bodies do is they adapt. Is that the main reason or is there other reasons why we need to develop new
4: antibiotics? Uh, Well, that is one reason. The other reason is because the existing antibiotics over time, they work less well because of antimicrobial resistance. So the bugs find a way around getting killed by the antibiotics. Now, many in the uh, in the uh, uh, R&D space want to eliminate the use of antibiotics because most antibiotics decimate the healthy microbiome while they're treating the direct infection. But we actually restore the healthy microbiome while we're treating C. difficile infection. So, you know, we have a double whammy product. Um, It's a bit of a throwback and it would be the first new class of antibiotics in 30 years.
2: And and, And that's significant because the fact of the matter is you are reinventing a wheel here that hasn't even been approached for a long time because just like vaccines, there's a recipe for a vaccine and everyone uses the same recipe. It's just a matter of clinical trials to find out if it's actually uh, efficacious on, let's say, COVID, or let's say the flu, or let's say measles or mumps or anything else. Same sort of thing with antibiotics, right? It, it was the same old low-hanging fruit that has caused people not to be, uh, not to have any innovation whatsoever towards this. Is that correct?
4: Uh, that, that, that is correct. And you know, within C. difficile, it's a 1.7 billion dollar market. Um, you see, you know, big pharma was trying to get the, you know, the, the frontline therapy. C. diff um, because it would be a billion dollar a year product. So Sanofi fails with their vaccine. Pfizer failed a month ago in their vaccine. And Summit Therapeutics with their therapeutic antibiotic failed also in phase three. So we are the odds on favorite. And we have not seen in the history of the world clinical data that shows our level of efficacy at 100% cure. And no reinfections thirty days thereafter.
2: Hey David, I got a question. Will you please review with us what C. difficile is again? You mentioned this the first couple of times. I want you to walk us through that malady one more time.
4: Sure. C. difficile exists in the colon. It's uh, through the uh, the bio track, um, you know, in, in, internal medicine. So our medicine skates right through the the uh, uh, the you know, human system and gets into the colon. Uh, with less than 10% absorption, Uh, C. difficile is like bad diarrhea, and it kills people, Uh, probably 30,000 people a year are, are killed by C. difficile every year in the U.S., yeah, and there are 600,000 cases a year.
2: So we're looking at, by the way, uh, his name is David Lucy. He is the president and CEO of uh, Curex Pharmaceuticals, stock symbol ACXP. Uh, bring that graphic up again there, would you, Jared? Jared Coleman, our Emmy Award-winning director, and Bianca Zipo-Locato, uh, working third chair. So we're looking at your pipeline here, and we're looking at where we are in the phases of, of FDA. And I've got about a minute here. Um, you're, you're in phase 2B, right? And, and So tell, yeah. tell us what that means, phase 2B. And how close to the goal line are we? Because it looks like it looks like on the graph that we're pretty damn close.
4: Well, so yeah, phase two B should be done by the end of the year. Um, and then uh, we can either go to phase three or sell the company to a Pfizer, a Merck, a Johnson and Johnson.
2: Yeah, to take him to, to take him through the rest of the way, right? David, thank you, pal. We'll see you next week. Can't wait to get you in the studio, David Lucci once again, president and CEO of Acurex Pharmaceutical. I love that. Guy. How do you like that? I like, I like people who are helping to save lives. As Mike's writing down the stock symbol Exactly. as we're going <laughs> through it. That does it for us today. Jared Coleman is our director. Curtis Manning is our assistant director. Molly the Tamale is our floor director. Jay Banks, our sergeant at arms. Devin Doan working the uh, jib camera today. Of course, Bianca Zerba Delgado is our producer, along with David Kamatoy and Greg Todorov. Mike Larson, our chief engineer. Brian Parento, our sound engineer. So we start mentioning PA Chloe, production assistant. Is it time? And we should do that.
1: Pasta Sully.